I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Hey, welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for joining this week. This week, we're going to talk about how to ask for help. And it sounds like such a boring topic, but it's not, I promise you. It's one of the most important things that I've learned since I went out on my own and launched my business. It's one of the biggest things that I wish I had learned sooner is that there are a lot of benefits to asking for help. Your life gets so much easier. It's amazing. I'll start by talking about why this is important. The last few episodes I've talked about, we're creating our goals. We talked about what we're going to do in this year. And it's a really, you know, let's let's live large. Let's look large. Let's accomplish whatever it is that we set out to do. But when we set out for a particular goal, whether it's a personal goal, whether it's a work goal, whether it's, you know, community goal, whatever, you know, insert goal here, whatever you want to do, the the world around us is changing so quickly And the speed of change is so fast that when we don't ask for help, we're really setting ourselves up for failure because we cannot do everything by ourselves. And when we say we can't do everything by ourselves, we know this kind of, you know, subconsciously, but we do so much more. When you take a look at all the technology we have, it's supposed to make our lives easier. It's supposed to, you know, solves this and does this, but we have less time than ever. And when we're so busy, and the reason we have less time than ever is because we're just inundated with more information. So we're actually doing a lot more, which is nice. But in order to get the things done that we want to get done, in order to narrow down that focus and and find the important things for us, we need to focus on what it is that we want to do, and we need some particular help to get there. What that help is, I don't know. That's completely up to you. But when you figure that out, you could find that just a simple question or asking someone for help or engaging someone in a discussion on what you're looking to do opens up a litany of doors that will make things much easier for you. So when we talk about the speed of change, and you know, we'll talk about the workplace if, if you want. We'll talk about the workplace and how, how it's changing so incredibly quickly. We need to get over this fear of asking for help. I was always of the mindset, I don't ask for help because I don't want to be a burden to other people. And I usually waited until it was too late to ask for help. And then everything was completely foobarred and we would have to kind of scramble to get things done. Whereas if I had just swallowed my pride or whatever at the beginning and just asked a couple questions when I hit a roadblock, it would have been a much more productive time. And generally, when we come to indecision at work, It's usually because we don't know what the next step to take is, or there's something we're unsure of, or we're saying, I don't know that I'll just look at it later, I'll just look at it later, I'll just look at it later, when really all we have to do is just ask for a little bit of help on this one area, tiny amount of help to say, can you explain this to me, and then we can move forward. Deadlines today are shorter than ever. When I'm working with executives, so a lot of the clients that I have, um, we really deal on managing change and transition. So I have executives coming into organizations, and they really have two quarters to make a difference. That's not a lot of time. Uh, When we talk about six months of saying you want to change an organization, 
and change a mindset of an organization, you, you, if you're not asking for help and getting people on board, you're not going to be successful at all. Okay. So we have to figure out how to ask workers for help, how to ask coworkers for help, and how to set ourselves up for this type of success. There is this group uh, out there. It's called the Neuro Leadership Institute. I follow them a little bit. Sometimes they come out with good things because they're smart people. Um, they're neuroscientists and they talk about leadership. So why not? Right on my alley. They did some research, claimed that 75% of all the help that coworkers give is in direct response to a request for it. And I thought that that was interesting because, and it makes a lot of sense. Everybody is so busy. Nobody's paying attention to your problems. Nobody's paying attention to what you need help with. And nobody's going to notice that you need help unless you ask for it. And usually we're sitting there saying, you know, I'm sitting here waiting for someone to help me. Well, someone needs to know. You have to articulate it. And when you do it, when you do ask for help, it's cathartic. And, and when you learn to do it well, then your, your, your pathways open up quite a bit. But one of the things we have to talk about when we're asking for help is, you know, it sounds like such a drag. I have to ask for help. It makes us sound like we're incapable. It makes us sound like we're failures. And, and there's a lot of reasons why we don't like to ask for help. And the big ones, and asking for help really comes down to a lot of cultural things as well. When we take a look at different cultures, uh, I'm thinking of a lot of Asian countries are not big on asking for help. And that's a cultural thing. And there's research to, to support that. Uh, and European, maybe more European people do ask for help. And it's different types, different types of groups, different types of communities, different types of history. So everybody has these kind of ancestry cultural differences about being comfortable asking questions. And the reason we don't like to do it is because we, we have this risk, this fear of rejection. And when we say fear of rejection... Uh, it's, it's a much bigger thing than just saying you're going to be rejected. Your brain uh, treats social rejection like physical pain. So when somebody says they will not help you or somebody says you can't play in my reindeer games or when somebody says, you know, you're not welcome here, your brain treats it like you broke an arm. And the risk of being seen as a failure and the risk of that uncertainty of what comes next when you ask for help, your brain is preventing you from doing that to protect you because it thinks you're being uh, physically hurt. And so we have to kind of trick our brains in order to do this. And, and you know, just like everything else I talk about, we have to trick our brains. We have to break up, you know, those routines that we used to do and the, the reason we don't ask questions. And it goes all the way back down to when you were kids and you ask all these questions and sometimes you got answers, sometimes you didn't. And are you a burden and all this other stuff? But when you learn to ask questions, you find that it's a lot easier than you think. And here's why. People love to help other people. We get a charge out of it. We feel major rewards when we are able to provide help. We are social animals. We're social bonds. When our social bonds get strengthened when, when we, we help other people. And so on one side, when your brain says, oh, you know, you're at risk of losing those social bonds, helping other people solidifies those social bonds. So it actually, there are emotional and psychological benefits we get to helping other people. So in actuality, you're doing other people a favor by asking them to help you, which is kind of nice. But I always tell people who don't want to ask for help, flip it around. If somebody else asked you to do what you are asking, you would probably jump at the chance. It's not that big of a deal. So why not give that opportunity to somebody else? But 
in order to do this, in order to get other people charged up, and in order to help other people to help you, it has to be done properly. And you have to lay the groundwork and you have to build a foundation for people to want to help you. And that's where a lot of the challenge comes in. And that's where I really work with clients on is how do you create an environment, a foundation, a platform where people want to be helpful to you? And there are a few, a few steps that you could take on this. There are a few different ways that you could think about this. Number one, first, you have to get used to asking questions. You have to learn how to ask for help and how to ask questions. There's a lot of talk in the, in the corporate world, and there's been talk for a couple of years, on something called psychological safety. And it's all the rage right now in the workplace. And Google has listed it, uh, and that's probably what made it all the rage. Google listed it at the top of what sets one team apart from other teams. And what it refers to, psychological safety, is effectively creating an environment where we work or wherever we are in which uh, when we do the mental calculation on what's the risk of reporting something or asking for help or asking a question, whatever, the risk goes down. And when, when you're in a psychologically safe environment, you are comfortable being yourself. And so Google set out to do this research. They wanted to see what separated, you know, some groups. Why did they succeed? And other groups stumbled. Psychologically, psychological safety was at the top of the list. The other things were, you know, proper structure and clarity, meaning of work, the impact of work, you know, how much do, purpose do we get out of work, dependability. There were all these other things. But psychological safety really is the top. And when I think of teams and the teams that I used to run and the teams I used to be a part of, and you look around, or, and you can even think about it now. Think about people that you work with, your teams. Are they comfortable looking at you and asking you a question? Are you comfortable asking a question? Are you comfortable uh, admitting to people that you don't know something? That all falls under the realm of psychological safety. And, and fundamentally, when, when we want to create a psychologically safe environment, it comes down to two things. One... Teams are successful when team members can speak up and when they show that they are sensitive to how other people feel. Emotions, you know, I grew up in a time where emotions were, you know, you come here for work. You don't come here for emotions. Keep your emotions at the door. Check your emotions at the door. But I think it was a misunderstanding of what emotions are. Okay. To recognize that you have emotions at work is fundamental to being successful at work. Okay, you could talk about how keep your emotions at the door, but everybody is going to. You could talk about uh, your 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 annual review. You could talk about how someone treated you. You can talk about your success on a project and how you are rewarded. You can talk about all this stuff. All of these tap into our emotional state, and when we need to create a psychologically safe environment, we need to recognize that people need to speak up and and they need to be uh, recognized that that they are able to feel whatever they feel. And that goes into the, the vulnerability work that Brene Brown does, the Simon Sinek work, all these people. We're talking about psychologically safe environments. And when you think about the people you hired to work with you or the people around you on your team or whatever it is, they were hired for something specific. And so when you hire them for their skill set and you don't have a psychologically safe environment for them to work in, you are hindering. You are, they're, they're boxing with one arm behind their back and allowing them to work hard on the way that they like to work 
and recognizing that there are different ways that people like to work and different ways that people like to think, that is the beginning of a good uh, psychologically safe environment. There's a book called uh, Smarter, Faster, Better. Uh, and and the author outlines how the team leaders in Google were they were giving a check uh, basically a checklist on how to model the right behaviors for psychological safety, and it was really like very high tactical things. Right, leaders don't interrupt when other people are speaking. Okay, so that we don't create interrupting as a norm. Uh, admit when you don't know something. Demonstrate that you understand what people are saying by by repeating what they said, so that they feel like they're listened to. Encourage people who are upset, you know, to express their frustrations. There are ways that you can do it without judgment and resolve you know, disagreements and conflicts and everything else. To, you know, make sure that everybody has a voice and they're comfortable doing it. You know what it is, right? We all know what it is, but there are tactical ways that we need to do it. And the more psychologically safe we become, the studies on these show that the more it becomes a social norm of people sharing, you know, their feelings and everything else. Uh, I'm not really a feeling sharing guy, but the more that you can do it, it becomes the norm for a team and then it amplifies and the team grows it and makes it even more safe, safe. So it becomes a, almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's great. But now I know some of you are thinking there, well, uh, I don't work in a psychologically safe environment because I can't, you know, say shit. Uh, there's research on that as well. And the research that shows that for those who don't work in it, and this aligns so well with what I'm doing with Bellwether and Finding Leaders, it is an opportunity for you to begin asking questions. The example of question asking and, and a curiosity mindset and being comfortable in your own skin and asking questions and recognizing that you don't know something can change a culture. Being the person who seeks help could help other people do it as well. That's where you have power in what you do. Where you can ask a question, whatever kind of response you say, oh, interesting, okay, I never thought about it that way. And then go on as if it didn't matter. And showing that it's okay to ask questions is really helpful. So now let's get into, you know, let's talk about tactically how to ask questions, because that's really, well, not how to ask questions, how to ask for help. Because when we're asking for help, it's really kind of a self-interest thing. Okay, we need to accomplish something that we need to accomplish. So we need people to help us. So tactically, uh, when we think about how we ask for help, our natural inclination, the intuitive ways to do it, uh, are generally unproductive. We don't like asking for it. We frame it in a way that separates us from the question, like, I need to ask you to help me to do this. It makes the person less likely to help because it's not actually helping you. They're being forced to do it. And in order to get someone to want to help you, uh, we, we want to make sure that they don't feel like they have to. What we want to do, we're giving someone this favor to get a natural high from helping us, and we want them to feel like they're helping you because they want to. And so when we think about tactically what to do is we want to eliminate those, you know, you know, Joe asked me to help ask you for help. And, um, you know, can I ask a favor or I'm really sorry to ask you for this? All of these things uh, put people on the, you know, oh, really, what are you asking me to do? You're framing your request for help in a negative light. And when we do this, uh, people just don't want to help. What we want to do is we want to give people agency, autonomy to say that, yes, I want to help you. 
and you frame it as an opportunity for them. Not like an insurance salesman, used car salesman type of way. Here's an opportunity to help. But to do so, we want people to say, you know, hey, I need a quick favor. Do you mind? Right? And then when you do it, when we talk about the relationships that we're building and laying the foundation, we need to reinforce it. So when we're giving people the opportunity, the agency, the autonomy to do it, we want to reinforce that we are doing this together. Use words like together, right? Create that positive identity. Remind them of their value. Thank them. Asking for help is a lot easier when you do the work in advance and create that relationship. But if you don't have it, reinforcing your relationship, saying we're on the same team, doing all of that, you know, making people feel like they're a part of your club is going to be helpful as they as they try to help. I have found launching my business that and it's difficult for me to ask for help. Okay. I'm not I'll be the first to admit it. It's difficult for me to ask for help. But when I'm able to do it, it's amazing how many doors open. And when I think back to, wow, I should have asked that help question like months ago, and I would have been a lot further than where I am. So I would encourage you to think about it. Anything you're struggling with, whether it's these annual goals that we created, whether it's a work goal, whether it's um, whatever, admitting that you don't know something is okay. It's this curiosity mindset, the learning mindset. I am in the business of teaching people to relearn and continue to learn. This is... Uh, the most important thing that you could do at work, driving a culture of learning at your organization will fundamentally change the way that your place operates. I'm working with clients right now who are paying a lot of money to try and change this culture and they're trying to force it. But you know what? When you have people who are curious and learning and are comfortable talking about whatever it is that they need to do and comfortable asking for help and comfortable recognizing and admitting when they don't know something, and they're curious, and then they learn it, and then they go, and they have that autonomy, that's the cultural change you're looking for. So work on that this week. That's my encouragement to you. If you want, reach out to me. I'm happy to help teach you how to do it. Asking for help is one of the most impactful ways that you are going to make a difference this year. I encourage you to do it. So thank you for listening. Uh, again, as always, reach out and uh, say hello or ask questions, and I'm, I'm always responding to my emails and uh, so thank you for all the listeners. Come see us at an event. We have some upcoming runs in Central Park and other places, and we have some networking events. They're all on the website. Uh, I would encourage you to come join, come say hello, and uh, I look forward to seeing you out there. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.